The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasu, your host. Today, I am joined by Camille Nasida, who is the CEO and one of the four founding partners of Congas. Welcome, Camille. Thanks so much, Seema. It is a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, same. Thank you. I mean, what a journey you've been on since... How long ago was Congas founded? We just celebrated our 30th anniversary in October. That so, is amazing. 1991. Yeah, it's been yeah. great. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how did Gangas come about? You know, it's exciting that, you know, you were one of the first four people that were from the ground up and became CEO over time. But so give us a little idea of the early days of how it was formed and what was the purpose of why it was formed? Sure. Gosh, it seems like such a long time ago, but yet like yesterday at yeah. the same time. So there were four of us that were together as part of a automotive group, actually, of another research company. I was okay. only an intern at the time. I was an intern from uh, the University of Michigan. Very I was part cool. of John Gongus's team. Okay. And when he, and he wasn't, he had been the little group that existed within this other company had just been acquired. So they never really assimilated into this other company. And when John Gangas decided that he wanted to go out on his own, I was one of three other people that he tapped to say, Hey, do you want to come do this thing with me? And at the point I was 20 going on 21. Yeah. I had no real commitments, you know, no kids, no husband. So if you're going to be part of a startup, it seems like a pretty good time to do it free time to do it. And so I decided to take that leap of faith and go ahead and be part of that startup. That's amazing. Yeah. But as you can imagine, right, being part of a four person company, when you first get going, you're doing everything Mm -hmm. from receptionist and back in the day, there Mm -hmm. were no answering machines. So you're literally answering the the phone phone. and (laughs) taking you know, messages on those little pink, remember the little pink, yes, uh, yes. you're actually talking from to people. Notes? Exactly. Imagine <laughs> that but everything from that to programming surveys to, you know, moderating, it was definitely one of the best experiences for just being thrown into the fire yeah. and expected to achieve, accomplish, right? right. In those early days, every dollar, every move you make matters. Yeah. And did you always have ambition to kind of continue to evolve your career and, you know, ultimately become CEO. Maybe at that time you might've not known that, but, you know, tell us a little bit about what were you thinking as it related to your career aspirations at that age? At that age, there definitely wasn't an aspiration to be CEO. (laughs) Um, I think at that point in time, we didn't even know if the company would be around a year year later. I think what was important to me from the get-go was being with people that I really enjoyed doing things every day that I really enjoyed. Yeah. That right? makes a big difference. 
like so many of us, when I was in college, I had no idea the field of marketing mm-hmm. research even existed. I like psychology and right. I like statistics. And then I was in the business program and it's like, oh, there's this thing called research that brings them both together. So I did the internship, loved it. And the internship happened to be with people that I really enjoyed right. being with. And I think that, you know, to this day, 30 years later, that's probably the primary reason that I've loved being a part of Gongus is mm-hmm. just surrounded by people that are not just great humans, but like the smartest people mm-hmm. ever. So that combination of smart and kind, right. you don't find that everywhere. And that just part of our DNA is continuous improvement. So even though it's been 30 years with one organization, every year I become that next best version of myself because the people push me every single year to learn and grow and be something better. And that's what's kept me. And I think that's what has kept a lot of people at Gongus is just that continuous, we call it restless dissatisfaction, never resting on our laurels, always being ready for that, not just ready for, but, you know, envisioning what that next step could or should be. That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit, I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of topics, but just curious, kind of what were the defining events that led you to become CEO? So throughout the course of my time at Gongas, I was always taking on new challenges, new opportunities. I always loved being immersed with people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of my first forays in that were becoming a people manager, right? Or then as we grew the company, starting to interview and recruit the talent into the organization. So knowing that we're in a business highly dependent on great talent, being at the forefront of finding the right people, but not just finding those right people, but putting them in the right seats Mm -hmm. of our organization, not just for what we were doing today, but thinking about the future and knowing where we were going and making sure we were hiring the right people to seed our future as well. So I think that's one of the first steps. Okay. I think another big piece is we've always had what we call a strategy team, leadership mm-hmm. team that actually became the strategic drivers of the organization. So very early on getting to be a key member of developing the strategic direction of the company And then just really taking on a lot of different seats and roles in the company, learning the organization inside out while also always being on the forefront with clients. So I never really lost my client role or my day-to-day client interactions. And I think the feeding of, you know, being face-to-face with clients and watching them evolve, being on the forefront of listening to their needs, but then being able to bring that back Mm -hmm. and infuse it into all of the different areas of the company primed me really well to be Mm -hmm. CEO. But like I said, I never aspired to be CEO. Our story is, you know, John Gungus in 2012 passed away unexpectedly from diagnosis to death was 10 days. I was our COO at the time. I was a minority shareholder. And at that point when he passed, I became the controlling shareholder at that point and had to make the decision. Do I want to take on this role of CEO and primary owner and keep this place going forward? And it was never even a decision, Seema. It was, I was going to ask, was it even a decision? It was just like you move into it, right? Yeah. It was so clear to me that that was the right thing to do. Just intuitively speaking, it wasn't a decision. It was like a, okay, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Sad, but at the same time, a, 
you know, I believed so much in Gungus mm-hmm. and that we were not at the end of our story journey. And that, you know, yeah. there's, there's a lot more stories to be told ahead. So yeah. let's go for it and do it. Honor John, but this is what he would want us to sure. do forward. That's amazing. And well, let me ask just a brief comment about that. That is such a shock for an organization. How did you deal with that? What were the, you know, I know there's no defined script, especially for you. I mean, you were kind of like, I'm COO. Okay, now I'm CEO. But not only were you adjusting to your role, but you actually had to help people grieve and process all of that. Yeah. I mean, looking back at it, I can't tell you that there was some formula that we relied on, but I can say that we were blessed enough. You know, I'm grateful to this day for the leadership team that Mm. we had. So it wasn't just me, right? right? It was me and nine, 10 other people that had also, most of them been with the organization for a very long time, were committed to the organization and committed to keeping the organization going. So I think together we came up with, okay, first and foremost, how do we make sure our people are Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So let's make sure that we're showing the compassion and giving people that what they need to be able to be resilient and persevere here, as well as make them feel safe and trusted that this, like, we're not going anywhere. This place is going to continue. We're not falling apart. So it was people first, then it was reassuring our clients that Mm -hmm. it would be business as usual and that we would be there for them in every way, shape and form that we had always been. And back then you were allowed to hop on an airplane and travel wherever you wanted to. And see people face to face. Exactly. So I did a lot of going to client offices, visiting, Mm -hmm. making sure they felt okay. And then the rest was really taking the opportunity to just I wouldn't say pause, but just allow everyone to experience what they needed to experience Mm -hmm. in their own time. But Mm -hmm. we've always been a resilient bunch. I mean, everybody was grieving for sure, but I think they also wanted to, we had something to prove. We had Mm -hmm. something to prove that little Gongus was going to be able to carry on in the same successful way that it always had, if not more so. Right. You know, I think that we wanted to prove that to the world that right. we would be able to do that. And so we rallied together and that's exactly what we did. And yeah. that's honestly the point in time where we took the opportunity to say, okay, do we continue to be a traditional marketing mm-hmm. research company? Mm-hmm. Or is this our opportunity to maybe create a new vision for mm-hmm. what we want to be 10 years from now? So you saw that, I mean, you and your team saw that opportunity quite early. That's 2012, 2013, where you saw the opportunity of, you know, we talk about the pivot, right? You kind of decide if you're going to kind of move more into the consulting side, even potentially operational implementation, or stay where you are, or even potentially go to the low end of the market. But what were the clues? Was it more opportunistic? Like, that seems interesting for our team and for what we could do for clients. Or did you feel like that was a decision based on market dynamics? Like you had to shift. I think it was a combination of both of those things. You know, it's interesting because, you know, when we were talking earlier, we called this, you know, what the pivot. But I think for us, And what a lot of folks probably don't know, right, into listening to this is that we've been in this period of what we would call transformation for the last 10 years. I mean, this isn't a, oh, today we were this and tomorrow we made this turn and decided to do something else. So it really, 10 years ago, we saw 
sort of the, I would think the biggest thing that we saw that made us open our eyes and say, hmm, maybe we should do something different mm-hmm. is big data was really coming on the scene. Okay. Right? For the previous 20 years of our existence, it was all about primary research, mm-hmm. data collection, creating new data mm-hmm. for clients to use. We've always been in the business of what we'd call customer centricity, mm-hmm. right? Helping clients make great decisions with customer understanding. But it's when we started to see clients relying on enterprise data or social or data that wasn't being created by us that we took that step back to say, okay, if we can't figure out how to leverage any kind of data, Mm -hmm. then we might be irrelevant five or 10 years from now. So I think it was that first realization of, gosh, we're working in a world now where data is trying to win. And so we need to figure out, okay, how do we help that data to win while also keeping some of the core tenants that we've always been great at, Mm -hmm. which is bringing the human to the forefront, Mm -hmm. right? And then also consulting with our clients about what does all of that mean? So that's when we really took the step back to say, beyond qual and quant research, what other capabilities are going to be important to help us help our clients truly flourish or thrive in this new world where data is abundant. Mm -hmm. Because most organizations have more data than they know what to do with. Totally agree. There's there's more data. So how can we come in and help them discover, internalize, make sense of that data, and then actually apply it and implement strategies Mm -hmm. against that data so that customer centricity, and we have a definition of customer centricity at Gangas. And I think customer centricity is one of those words that is just thrown around. Overused. Yeah. 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 Overused. Well, here's a question for you. When I say customer centricity, what does that mean to you? That's a great question. So I think about putting the customer in the center of every decision that is being made. It's not on the side. It's not an afterthought, but it's central to the decisions that are being made. Yeah, I think that's awesome definition. And, and it's so it's such a relevant concept, mm-hmm. right? Yes. As we describe it, it is customer centricity to us is the intersection of deep customer understanding. Okay. Right? Yep. So understanding customer needs and helping our clients deliver on it better than anyone else. Okay. And it's that and part. Yes. So many companies have trouble with, right? Because there's so many different ways that you can look at that customer understanding. And most organizations have trouble aligning internally to actually go put that customer understanding Mm -hmm. into play in the market in a way that where they can get the return on investment and all that great customer understanding. I mean, when you talk about it, it's kind of like you had one quarter of the pie and you built three quarters of the rest of the pie. (laughs) I mean, really, right? Like you had a sliver of qual and quant skills. And now you're saying, let's expand our capability of the data we can process, analyze, synthesize, and draw insight. And oh, by the way, we're going to help you do some implementation as well. Am I looking at the percentages appropriately there? Yeah, I would say that's right. Yeah. Um, the qual and quant piece of our work, though, was always complemented by great storytelling and sure. helping our clients take that good qual and quant understanding 
and truly start to communicate with it for impact. So I think that was our leg up from the get-go Okay, that helped us to feel like we've got some of the core competencies to enable us to move into this space Yes, because it was never just about the data for us. We always had these people that mm. could take the data, analyze it, synthesize it, find insight from it, and then communicate it in a way that people actually could start to consume yeah. and internalize. Yeah. So it's like taking that mm-hmm. and really leveraging our core competencies in maybe a little twist of a different mm-hmm. way, right? To create fresh thinking, create new value for our clients by then starting to push into the activation and implementation space. So when you decided there's data that is abundant everywhere, right? There's sales data, there's social media data or social intelligence data, there's you know digital behavior data. How did you decide, and maybe you didn't, maybe you said it's all data, which data sets you were going to focus on? I know we didn't necessarily say, oh, we're only going to work with this kind of data. I think the most challenging data for us to work with was when a client would say, oh, we have these huge data sets Mm -hmm. of enterprise data. Mm -hmm. And anytime we would get that data, it would be beyond messy data. Yeah, I bet. So (laughs) it wasn't just (laughs) even getting your hands on the data. One of the things that we realized super quickly was, Okay, when a client says they have data, step one is going to be able to structure yes. that data <laughs> in a way that we can actually work do with something it. with it. Yeah. And that's when we said, okay, we need data engineers on yes. our team, not just data scientists, yep. which I guess data engineering is a facet of data science. Yes. It's depending on who you talk to, but we needed people to be able to come in that could wrangle the data, structure mm-hmm. the data. And that was that's, you know, 80% of an engagement is actually getting the data in a place where it is something that people can start to analyze, synthesize, and and do all the magic of data science. Yes. You know, the taking it beyond insights and to implementation and even more strategy discussions. How did you have to shift in terms of the types of people you had to hire? Yeah, that's such a great question. And again, remember, this is all done in stages, right? Yeah. This wasn't a, oh, today we're this and tomorrow we're going to be that. First step for us, like you said, was really understanding the data science space Mm -hmm. because that to us was the enabler of we're moving beyond primary research. Right. And primary research is still a huge part of what we do Mm -hmm. to this day, but we wanted to be able to add that complementary piece. Next step was thinking about knowing now that we're dealing in data sets that are large, that starts to broaden the decision-making units within client organizations Mm -hmm. that you're working with many times, right? So we have to have the people that are able to then address the business challenges of more than the consumer Consumer insights team. So you've got to be prepped to talk with these multiple different stakeholders. So that's where we said, okay, we've got to bring some people into the organization that are potentially great researchers, but also can consult with clients. So there's that consulting background or management consultants, brand strategists, Mm -hmm. folks like that, that are really there to help take the methodological point of view and translate it for the client, as well as take the client's business challenge and transfer it over to the people that are those methodological experts. So we have a lot of people in our business that I would consider translators. Mm -hmm. They're really 
good at understanding what our people do and the capabilities that we have, right? Yes. But also really have great business acumen and can help clients frame their problems in a way that we can then go help them center those strategies on customer-centric decision-making. So you did hire more management consulting type people. Yeah. So I would say Gongas now is a combination of great researchers, Uh data scientists, consultants and strategists from a variety of different walks of Mm -hmm. life, management consulting, brand strategists, and then also creatives. So part of this is the ability, again, to take all of that information and put it in a simple format that executives can consume Mm -hmm. and digest and be able to go out and make decisions on. So people that can communicate for impact or influence. Mm -hmm. And some of that is true creatives and some of it is more communication designers. Right. Right. Yeah. So we have such a menagerie of talent (laughs) now, but one of the, again, sort of seeing the writing on the wall, one of the things that we saw time and again in organizations is customer centricity didn't live with one department, right? right? So many different stakeholders were trying to bring the customer point of view in. Mm-hmm. You've got, and they were all hiring disparate agencies to do this. You've got your CMI team who's hiring the insights agency. Right your data science team who's hiring, you know, data science specialists, your CMO or brand people hiring agencies. And so everybody's, they were taking a fragmented approach Mm -hmm. to the customer point of view. And that would then relegate who they were hiring to bring in. So that fragmentation was just being compounded by the agencies they were bringing in. And we thought, no, we want to be that one agency Agency. that can bring the customer point of view through all of these different capabilities, these multifaceted Mm -hmm. capabilities that we can bring to the table to, again, not just help them understand, but take that understanding and move it into delivery and implementation. So typically, who do you ultimately sell an engagement to? Is it the CMO? Is it a brand manager? Because they have to have the influence across all those disparate groups, right? To enable not only to share the data, but to write to, to say, I buy into this. Yeah. It really depends on where the engagement starts. Okay. So when we think about what we do, we think it very much in a sort of value chain perspective. You know, okay. Data is one piece, one important piece mm-hmm. of the value chain, and it becomes more and more valuable as you move it up the chain. And yes. when I think of chain, it's like data to analysis, to yes. synthesis, insight, all the way to implementation. So it's frequent, you know, that we might have a C-suite person come to us, could be mm-hmm. CMO, CSO, innovation yeah. that come to us. And those are typically, you know, a bigger business challenge that they're trying to solve. But we also are often working with the insights and analytics teams customer experience team, the chief marketing officer, chief customer officer. Our goal, no matter where it starts, Mm -hmm. is to try to get that first decision-making unit that is hiring us to realize the power of bringing in other cross or multifaceted connection to the equation. Knowing that, again, we see part of our job is trying to break down the silos of these organizations and they don't want the silos either. Yeah. You know, when I think about some of the organizations that we work with, they see the siloing mm-hmm. effect. And part of our job is to, if they'll let us come in and help break down those silos and help align them against the customer 
challenge against what the customer wants so that customer understanding fuels strategy mm-hmm. versus being relegated to just the validation of their strategy. Often that's what customer feedback is, right? right. It's just they're validating something that somebody sitting at the in the boardroom thought of and they just want the customer validation and they think that's customer centric. Well, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a mature customer-centric organization is using customer understanding to fuel strategy mm-hmm. as a validation. Well, and as validation of the strategy, but not only as validation of the strategy. Yeah. So you must have done a lot of like self-education. I imagine you like I envision you reading books every night when you <laughs> we're kind of like taking notes. We know each other, but I don't know you that well. But I already have this vision of you, like just okay, this is the journey. I'm gonna talk to as many people, I'm gonna read as much as possible. It, did I kind of get that right? Yeah, you're pretty good for yeah. us not knowing each other as well. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Strengths Finder. Our organization uses it a lot, but yes. my top two, one and two are achiever and learner. There you so go. So put those two things okay. together and you can kind of see how I'm wired. But yeah, huge learner, reading books, but mostly relevant and in timely business, HBR okay. or, you know, tapping into Bain or McKinsey Consulting. Sure. They put out a lot of great materials, but we have an organization of learners and we right. also have an organization of people that are not at all mm-hmm. afraid to rely on strategic partners. So in this journey, my goodness, we haven't done it all ourselves, right? We have relied so much on folks on the outside that have helped us. It's so many milestones Mm -hmm. of our journey where it's like, we know we need to get to this point. Who do we know on the outside that might be able to consult with us and help us get here? And then we do our thing at that point. We're ready to move to the next point. And it's like, ah, do we bring that person back? Or is there somebody else that could help us along the way? So, you know, there's so much credit for everything, you know, this journey that we've been on so much of it is also highly reliant on great advocates and partners and consultants that are outside of Ganges. Yeah. And as you describe it, so true. It is a transformation. A pivot is like a hard cut. This is a 10-year kind of step-by-step journey that helped you transform the company. So very well said. So I am going to congratulate you on your next milestone. You've officially sold your company to Insights Consulting. Is that right? Yeah, that is true. We have sold to Insights Consulting official as of the beginning of, of 2022. But that too, we see as sort of like this next step of our transformation. Um, At least that's the way that we are are looking at it. Thinking about Um, it. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things where we weren't necessarily looking Mm -hmm. to sell the organization. And like so many in our industry, right? Mergers and acquisitions are rampant right right now. So of course, everyone's being approached. And I, as a business person, you have to be open to listening sure. every once in a while for right. sure. And I can say that from the get-go with the conversations with Insights Consulting just felt natural. And okay. I'm a very intuition-driven person. Yes. Of course, I rely on data. That's yeah. the field that we're in. <laughs> but I rely equally on intuition, I'll be honest. Yeah. And from the get-go, the conversations, the synergies felt really right. Mm -hmm. And we joke every once in a while that, you know, they, for us, they almost feel like they were our long lost siblings across the Atlantic. When we started talking, there were just so many commonalities, even down to like articles that we were both reading. That's amazing. Yeah. So (laughs) 
that was lots of different pieces along the way that just made it feel like, okay, you know, this is the right time in our transformation because there's so many things that insights is trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. that Gongus is trying to accomplish too. And this just helps us from a smaller company Mm -hmm. perspective, amplify some of those things that we were trying to accomplish on our own. How is it different for you day to day? Well, I'm getting up for meetings at you know, oh, yeah, at 6 a.m. I can tell you that's a <laughs> to little talk different. to your long lost siblings or cousins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was always up early, but not necessarily talking to people that early or having to be on day to day. You know, right now, I mean, we're a month into it at this yes, point. Yeah, so yeah. right now, we're trying to figure each other out. Right, yeah. I think longer term, day to day. I think my purview is mm-hmm. going to have to be expanded. I've always thought of Gongus as, you know, we're Gongus, we are growing at the rate at which we decide Define. to grow, yes. right? And now we're working with a larger global organization yeah. to define that growth rate, which yes. is exciting. We are their North American presence. They right. have a, we, I should can't, I keep yes. saying they, we <laughs> have about 10 people in New York that Insights had prior to purchasing Gongus, mm-hmm. but you know, together with the folks in New York, which we are super excited about, we will be developing the strategy here in North America. North America. And when you think about, you know, voice of the client, voice mm-hmm. of talent in North America, competition, that's different than it is in Europe or mm-hmm. in Asia or in you know Australia, South Africa. And so we're really excited about the idea of being able to bring that presence mm-hmm. to the total equation and working in concert with the other areas of the world to come up with what I like to think of, you know, a globally minded localist yes. is what I'm hoping that Gangas yes. can be in this equation. We're working for a globally minded entity, but we need to bring the intimacy of the North American market, customers, competition, that experience yes. to the totality yeah. to make it successful. And does anything change for your clients? No. I mean, our no. clients, well, I shouldn't say that. They're, we're going to have expanded capabilities right. that we're very excited yeah. about. You know, I think when we think about what Gongus is trying to accomplish with being our mission of customer centricity and building mutually beneficial relationships between corporations and customers, you know, Insights Square platform, mm. which is, you know, their community driven platform. Right. The ability, I feel like that platform provides, honestly, this amazing gateway to really start to connect corporations with mm-hmm. consumers mm-hmm. in a that we're not able to do right now. We do have a community platform. We have been working in the community space for, I don't know, 15 years since 2005, 2006, but the Square platform will definitely help us take that ability of connection Uh with customers to a different level for our clients, which we're really excited about. Yeah. It's always nice to be able to bring additional capabilities oh. or solutions to clients, you know, obviously because they add value, but it's exciting. It's to, you know, it expands your purview into the client. Yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. And then we're hoping it goes both ways. There are a lot of, obviously the whole strategy and implementation part of our business mm-hmm. is not a place that Insights is super active in right now. So the synergies, again, just going back to why do this to begin with, the synergies that we saw between their capabilities and our capabilities, clearly we do some of the same things, 
but the number of things that we can now do together that we wouldn't have been able to do on our own are made this make a whole lot of sense. So do you consider your company still in market research? Is it consulting? Is like, what's the, everybody's thinking about this, right? Like what's the definition of, I'll just say for you, the space that you guys are operating. We like to think of ourselves as a customer centric consultancy. Okay. We think of research as a component of that consultancy, but certainly not the entire value equation. An important part of the value equation though. And I think that as compared to like, when you think of management consulting firms Mm -hmm. or a consulting firm, often they'll say that they're bringing the customer point of view to the picture, but we're rooted in the customer point of view. Right. Like insights are part of our core. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where the differentiation lies is we're a consulting firm, but we truly do know how to get to customer empathy in a way that most consulting firms are not as trained that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're starting from the place of insights and can move up and down the value chain Mm -hmm. in whatever way a client organization might need us to. And it's just an innate in innate piece of what we bring to the equation is that customer understanding. And I think that even, you know, the win there is for the customer too. Part of our value proposition in creating these mutually beneficial relationships is to help customers thrive, not just the corporations thrive, but by way of helping companies be more customer centric the consumers should win benefits. Too. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. consumer should feel more like they're part of stakeholder group for a company, right. not just takers of their products and services, but they can be looked at as true makers of an organ. You know, yeah. There's a more intimate relationship. Exactly. Yes. That intimacy, that customer yeah. intimacy is something we really want to bring to the forefront. Again, not just for the corporations, but for their customers. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's amazing. Your journey has been amazing. And I congratulate you on everything that you've done thus far. And I'm excited to see what's next. We are too. We're (laughs) we're excited as well. Always possibilities. So thanks so much for having me, Seema. This was a joy. Thank you. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.